mentioned anything to each other about this film whatsoever nope. usually we we keep it to very much to a minimum right but at least it's like a few words exchanged about it mm-hmm. we didn't say a goddamn thing to each other no it, it was also holiday weekend and everybody's been very very busy yes i think i looked at my phone a grand total of twice mm. and taking kids here there getting them out getting them out around because it's fucking nice out finally mm-hmm. and go explore a little bit more <coughs> and me i personally forgot it was a holiday weekend because i pay attention to nothing and i live in a bubble <laughs> so i'm fucking texting people about articles yeah, i know on fucking holiday weekend and all of a sudden i'm like god what a dipshit i am the biggest schmuck i bet you <laughs> everybody is sitting there going what a douche that's what like i didn't mind because you know what the fuck am i doing but when you were like, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of people all day. It's like internally, like immediately like, well, it's the holiday weekend, James. I'm sure you fucking text me that ass. text me that. Cause I had no idea. No, I'm not correcting your behavior for you. Absolutely not. You're a fucking grown up. I'll figure out my douchebaggery later. Like everyone else. Thank you very much. Listen, I, I, there are several of you close to me that have very commanding ADHD. <laughs> and no, I refuse to. No, I'm not helping you. Like, oh, fuck you then. <laughs> with something like that, absolutely not. No, like, just just let hey, me be a douchebag. Yeah, like if you need actual help with something, I will absolutely help you. <laughs> just no, I'm not reminding you of what day it is. Fuck you. Not only not only that, but I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Why are you telling me this, you dick? Because you know <laughs> that's how my brain works. Yeah. Hey, please help me out with this thing. When you help me out, then why are you being such a fucking dick? It's it's a wonderful cycle. People love me for it. Yeah, it's it's I I I'm not I may be a little ADHD, but nowhere near what most of the people in my orbit are. Oh, dude, and it just it confuses me each and every day. I took a test, and I was like at the ninety fourth percentile. And I'm like, well, that's got to be good because you know you get higher on the test, you did well. You know, I thought, okay, well, I got a little ADHD. And I was like, okay, well, I can deal with this. I got a little. And he's like, <laughs> Mr. Moreno, you need to sit down, please. <laughs> he, I was literally told, he's like, people with this degree of ADHD usually fail in life. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? He's like, are you traditionally dead or in jail? And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so, so that's your uh, clinical diagnosis is uh, you're I'm supposed to be a loser. Hey, fuck you. You are figgity fucked, homie. It's like, man, the. That uh, to go on another tangent off of this, that is one of my favorite things as doctors who have no idea how to like be people. Also, because uh, when my oldest was like little, little, like six months, uh, they had us take him to a cardiologist because mm-hmm. he had a heart murmur. Mm-hmm. And the doctor walks in, and like I didn't actually know exactly what a heart murmur is. He walks in and just says, "Ah, so your son's got two holes in his heart." <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, it's not a big deal. Like, again, excuse me? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm not also a doctor. You're going to have to explain what you just said because mm-hmm. to open with that is insanity. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Yep. 
Well, and speaking of wanting to uh, put holes in kids, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Baff, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. Oh man, so uh, we yeah. did, a while back we had talked about how I don't, and I think you were right, I don't think we had done anything from the 50s. Right. So uh, we're, we're remedying that, and we are talking about 1955's The Night of the Hunter. <gasps> Written by Davis Grubb and James Agee. Directed by Charles Lawton. Starring screen legend Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. Screen legend Shelley Winters. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just Billy Chapin. It's John Harper. He was the kid. I, f- I felt it was worth putting him on here because he's the main character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, you're missing one big one. Oh, I, I'm not missing anything because there is also thrown in there. You got your Peter Graves. Mm-hmm. You got your Lillian Gish. Lillian motherfucking Gish. In, in Probably, uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that in <laughs> just a moment. Hey, James. Yes. Hey. Yeah. You, you toothy bastard. Tee-hee. Teehee at Toothy? Mm-hmm. Sure? Absolutely. Sure, man. Um, hey, how did you like The Night of the Hunter? I kind of liked it. I initially didn't hate it, and then the more I watched it, I'm like, ooh. So there's great watches of this movie that I really enjoyed, and there are bits and pieces that really just annoyed the fuck out of me. But all told, if I waited out, things I liked versus shit I didn't like, it leans more towards I like. So, <clears throat> I'm going to disagree with you hard. Oh. I hated almost every minute of this film, and it's not often that we cover like a classic film mm-hmm. that I end up having such disdain for. Yeah. But this is a reminder of why I sometimes don't watch a lot of classic films. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stand this movie, James. I thought it was boring. I thought it was poorly acted on every front except for Lillian Gish. Oh, my God. May have been the only person who was worth a shit in this film. Um, Hard disagree. It, it the, Obviously, I know the pacing is off because it's a film from 1955. Mm-hmm. It's not contemporary. However... There is something that we'll get to in a little bit that I find absolutely unforgivable. And uh, I thought this movie was bad. Hmm. And this is a a classic. Yeah. A 50s classic film. And I don't know if it's just me, but I really hated it. Hmm. A lot. I get it. I mean, I can't wait to hear why. Because now now I'm intrigued because, like, the part, I wonder if the parts that annoyed me really just fucking really got on your tits, man. Because, well, first and foremost, I want to start with I think the biggest detriment to this film easily is Robert Mitchum. Really, I think he is terrible in this role. I don't, I haven't seen a whole lot of other Robert Mitchum, to be perfectly frank. Mm-hmm. However, I hated his performance with a passion wow it uh it i don't think a single part of it was believable um obviously some of it has to do with the script along with his acting Mm -hmm. but certain faces that he makes at certain times and just his general line delivery 
Well, first of all, you're lucky at any moment during the filming of this fucking movie that Robert Mitchum was capable of a coherent sentence due to <laughs> the large and copious amounts of alcohol consumed and the almost unbelievable amount of marijuana that guy smoked on a regular basis. Oh, okay. Still do your job. No, I got you. Cause but, see, now, here's where I will argue. If you look at it, um, see, I've seen, like, 10 million hours of 50s stuff. Not necessarily movies, but Ernie Kovacs, all the TV, the teleplays, your show of shows, um, all that Twilight Zone shit, all of it. And um, you, I remember two things. Charles Lawton, classically trained actor, and this was his only film, which we can get, the only film he directed. Oh, not even close. I thought this was the, or the last film he directed? Maybe. I don't know. Because he's acted in a million of them. I thought this was his first and only. I don't believe so, no. Hmm. Because I know after this, he never directed another one. Maybe. I, again, I didn't look too much but into it. it. Was, I, was, uh, I was very annoyed by this movie. <laughs> but um, from the conceits of, a, a let's say, a filmed play um, with uh, Shakespearean um, poses, that type of thing, that that performance made a lot of sense to me. And, and I thought it was very, very, very um, stylized. And the way he was juxtaposed from the townspeople, from everyone, because he was not actually of that, because he was a complete fucking loony bin. So everything that he did was a veneer, that smooth, smarmy, you know. And, and it's a very, very, very distinct archetype in, like, Southern Gothic writing, that, that itinerant, horrible, psychopathic preacher. It comes up all the time. Oh, I, I have no issue with the character itself. I right. think that is a fantastic character that I would have liked to have seen almost anybody else perform. I don't know why, but I, I, again, I know you're not supposed to believe him because he's a religious zealot murderer. However, I, I just, I couldn't stand the way that his his line deliver it, it was just insane that is straight and, up that is straight up southern preacher though the way he said everything it, even that cadence have you ever been to a baptist church say and the one scene that really really sticks out to me is when uh he forces uh john and uh pearl into the basement because john says you know fine i'll tell i'll tell it's under a mm. rock in the basement after he gets bonked on the head and just does an oh with his hands on his face and then it's it's a stupid scene to begin with too but as he's chasing them up the stairs with his arms outstretched like Frankenstein that was really when I checked right the fuck out and that's at about 55 minutes because I checked the timestamp it's at about 55 minutes like, oh, there is still about 35 to go. From what I understand, some of those scenes, like when he got shot, that was, he, um, Charles Lawton wanted this movie to be fucking 10,000 times darker than it was. And he was pushing, pushing, pushing. Apparently, he didn't like the kid actors. He wanted different actors, but that's the kids he had. He wanted to make everything darker. A lot of those funny ha-ha things were, for, I believe, if I read correctly, forced by the studios to lighten it up because... Didn't think anybody, because it needed to make money. Yeah. And they were afraid it wasn't, so they tacked on some bullshit, like um, they did with uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. And uh, speaking of, I mean, 
the performances all around. I mean, obviously the kids, what are you going to do? They're kids. But I mean, even Peter Graves as the dad in the beginning, like, man, this is just bad. Really? As Ben Harper, like I, I couldn't connect with it whatsoever. I never at all felt like, and I know these are more plays than, uh, right. Play acting than current film acting. Mm-hmm. But at no point did I believe that any of these were real people. Mm. And part of that is due to the story and dialogue and the swiftness which it moves due to the 50s and the pacing mm-hmm. obviously being a little bit off. But I didn't care for any of the performances except for uh, Lillian Gish as, mm. uh, what was her name? Mrs. Uh, Willa. No, she no. wasn't Willa. No, she Lil- was, uh, Lil- at the end of the movie, I'm sorry. I was thinking yeah, of Cooper. Miss Cooper, yeah. Yeah. She she was the highlight of this film. Well, I will tell you this. You know, part of the reason I like this movie is any movie that makes me feel anything, like any deep emotion, for whatever reason, whether it's good or bad, if it made me emote without being cheap, and this could have been a lot cheaper when it made me emote, I was I was along for the ride, man. Fucking, even though it was a... Um, a scary, scary coming after. It was still a, a childhood adventure. Mm-hmm. Going down the river, you know, getting away from the bad guys. I was along for that too, but I was also along for shitty house going to something else and is it shittier and the shitty people coming in and that, the fucking singing, that inevitability of that singing when they were on the river. I mean, I was kind of right with you before they hit the river, but right after that, the fucking movie just took off for me, man. Oh man, so huge difference of opinion then, because when I was talking about the thing that I found absolutely unforgivable, it begins at the river, because up until then it has been, you know, kind of action-y and a little bit of cat and mouse between Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Robert Mitchum and the boy, Mm -hmm. and there is what should be like a thrilling conclusion where he's holding John's head down on this apple cart. Oh yeah. Tell me where it is or I'll cut your fucking throat, Mm -hmm. you know, to a child. Like, yeah, that that's good. That's good story writing. Mm -hmm. And they get away because, uh, John knocks out a shelf, right? Drops a bunch of shit on his head. Right. And then he comically trips over a jar uh, they that shut. Was, I they don't shut think his, that scene was initially sh- was supposed to be shot for laughs. It was supposed to keep up the dread. Yeah, and then they uh, slam his fingers in the door, and he goes, "Yipes!" Yep. And so they make it to Uncle Bertie's house, and they get away down the river. So that is where this should have concluded, mm-hmm. because for the next, and I counted because that's at about fifty-six minutes. Mm-hmm. It's at about an hour fifteen that they finally bring back Robert Mitchum, there is 20 long minutes where they just completely deflate everything. This huge buildup that they had with them getting away from the bad guy, Mm -hmm. and now they're just living at this lady's house and we're introduced to another set of characters, Mm -hmm. which I guess is fine if that's your ending, but... It's 20 more minutes before they start ratcheting up the tension again. Right. I needed that break. Because that inevitability, you kept hearing him saying, right. the kids are going. They get to another safe spot. A little time. The singing fucking happens again. You, you figure out that you get this old boy slit the guy's throat to steal that horse, that horse that's walking down the road. Tick, 
tick like fucking zombies coming after you. Never going to stop. Never going to stop. The fucking quote. Does he ever sleep, man? That, that just ratcheted everything back up for me. So I needed that kind of breather because the, the beginning tension got to me. Gave me that reprieve. Now they're on the river. Are they going to get away? What's going to happen? What's going to happen with the police? My brain just it gave me that space to fill it in. Right, and like I was talking about this with Caleb when I was watching it. Like, a f- I guess in a contemporary cinema, you would take you know uh, maybe a two-minute montage and then give maybe three more minutes of okay, he's found this place with this woman, and then we'd get back into the story. But it's twenty minutes of well, an hour and thirty-five minute film. I also think a lot, some of it had to do with. Uh, Mr. Lawton's love of set pieces. Got to make sure that you go past the spider web just in the right way. And uh huh. But well, I get it. I mean, it has been done in a lot of movies that we've we've seen before, and I give it a pass. The things that I dislike because I think all towards there, there are so many different little bits in this movie that stuck with me, like um, when when uh, Robert Mitchum and, and it's real obviously ham handed now, but every time he's talking about trying to get what he wants and oh well you know why don't we tell secrets all you can see is love but when when something bad's gonna happen i, I it, it happened a couple times before i caught it i'm like oh it's hate oh fucking a yeah i mean there is some really i mean just the foundation of film like good film instincts like again when they're going down the river they're always traveling in the same direction filmically it just makes sense it's not, like it's a guy who knows what he's doing. And like you said, the okay, well, we want a shot of this spider web as it's going by, as the boat's going by. And, you know, a few of the shots of, you know, Robert Mitchum sitting down, just the angles that they've got it in, mm-hmm. in makes him look uh, sinister. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of good <coughs> filmmaking instincts. And obviously, directors from forever watch movies like this and learn from it. And, mm-hmm. You know, the styles evolved, but it's still well shot. There's good film instincts, but to take your story and just completely let all of the air out of it for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. man, it lost me so hard. <coughs> and then refusing to end. Yeah. Just refusing to be done with. There was too much. There was too much time in the city. Uh-huh. Like that could have, if they had to cut about seven minutes out of there. And honestly, even though I love the river, the river scenes, the part of it too, you got to understand that some of the things that I'm thinking of, um, when I enjoy a movie, I'll put myself into it. So like, um, my mom grew up in a, a little river town out in Minnesota. And I remember my grandpa take me off the boats through the tributaries and stuff. And just being out there when it's dark on the river is the fucking coolest thing. But when you're hiding, I was just in my head, I'm like, are they are they on the opposite bank from where he is? Because he's got to cross the bridge. You should, you know, I'm sitting there in the head. You should cross banks every time you pass a bridge, just in case, because he's going to cross to yours, you know. And it was occupying me the whole time. And I'm worried about these kids. And I'm wondering what's going to happen. Is this old boy going to show up? And I, I to me, it, it maintained my tension. Right. It, I think it would have been a little smarter to have them have a confrontation with him, like when they were hiding out in the farmhouse. Mm. They just see him from afar and then run away. I honest to God, because I saw this a million years ago, but I honest to God thought when they were, had the lynch mob in town, he was in the back of the car. I thought he was going to get out and come after him one more time. Yeah. 
Because in my head, she shot him in the fucking head from my memory. I, I conflated him, you know, getting the rock salt in his ass with getting capped completely. Because that's how I wanted it then. That, you know, like he escaped, came back, and she just pow. Yeah. And Dome again, him. That, I, I know it's a, a symptom of being from the 50s. But the entire thing with uh, Miss Cooper and her shotgun, just like sitting out and they're staring at each other and then singing hymns at each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude. Dude, that's dark, man. I guess, but it also doesn't make any fucking sense as to why she wouldn't be like, get the fuck off my property. Laws were different. Plus, she's got to shoot the guy. I mean, he, she knows Ms. there's Cooper a menace. Miss Cooper doesn't give a fuck about laws. What are you talking about? She hates everything. Indeed. Except she, for those children. Indeed, she does. And how, sometimes those children. <laughs> however, Kama, I don't think she could. The way she's characterized, she couldn't just shoot him in cold blood. She knows she has he, he's menaced, but he's got to make a move before she can cap him. Because that's how she is. He's sitting outside your house. He... He rode away saying, you'll not forget Harry Powell. I'll be back at night. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he's just sitting outside of her house. Fuck you. Yeah. Get out of here. Or I'm going to shoot you, you motherfucker. And I think the other reason they had to add those levity parts is for the time. The themes in this were dark, dark, dark as fuck. I mean, these, these are, it was almost transgressive for the time. You know what I mean? It's not quite uh, human centipede for the time. No. But no, but harming kids and the ideas behind what they were doing, the you know, the slit throat in the fucking river, that is super super outrageous for the time. This was like big fucking deal, you know? That's and a, part of that stick in my head too. And, and I, one of the parts that I really really did like was like the uh personal transformation of Willa. Mm -hmm. throughout this because obviously she, her husband was taken by the police after shooting two men and mm -hmm. stealing ten thousand dollars <laughs> the, the grand old ten thousand i know i i joke because That's th fucking, this is set in the depression i was gonna say 1930 whatever that is all the fucking money in the world but watching her go from like just flat out telling like icy and her husband like no, I don't want to just marry a dude that mm. I don't know. Have like nobody knows who this preacher is, and within a day she's married to him. And have you? Well, I mean, besides the uh, the housekeeper, have you seen Shelley Winters in anything else? It's possible. Okay. I, I couldn't <coughs> give you a definitive yes or no. Because mm. um, I was watching this with a little bit with Toby, and she's like. In, in, what kind of she's not really good actress and i'm like oh no i think she's doing exactly what she was directed to do yeah and i thought she gave a great performance as a not quite there leaf in the wind kind of person that just not not exactly the smartest not exactly the stupidest just kind of there yeah i again i didn't much care for her performance but <coughs> i do like the transformation of her character mm -hmm. from initially like well, we're married now. I guess we should probably fuck. And he slaps the shit out of her mm -hmm. to her just becoming this insane religious zealot. Right. It, that was a very good character arc. Absolutely. And, and, and again, I, I think that there's so many good parts of this movie. The only thing I, I find the kids 
anytime they're in almost every goddamn scene and i just fucking can't watch them yeah it's not the kids fault no um they're kids uh, yeah uh but uh john the boy he does have that kind of distant stare of mm. a, like i don't know if he was a an actor's child or not or if mm. he was just some kid that they found but he had the look of a kid who's like seen some shit that he shouldn't have seen at that age i will tell you um he he had his stoic on you know what I'm saying? He he was like really Louis Louis Lamorting it up. Yeah, that kid was a fucking brick wall. And 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 I got to hand it to him because this got to be tough, especially with all this shit happening. Uh huh. Um, I could have done without Uncle. Oh yeah, that was superfluous. I think absolutely. If Uncle had helped in any way. Yeah, but nah. Besides falling off his chair and muttering. Right. I, I would have liked to have either had him used or not. So I would have say I would say that but my I big actually, my only grab with this movie really is it could have cut it could have cut its darlings a little bit. I, I do kind of see his narrative function a little bit though, because every single adult in this film has failed those children up until they get uh, are going down the river and right. even the lady that gives them just raw potatoes to eat. Mm-hmm. It's just like get out of here. Oh, get yeah. out of here. So I uh, I do understand that like it is building upon the theme that every single in- adult in their lives mm-hmm. has fucked either fucked them or just been completely useless or detrimental. Right. Well, that kind of now that makes it even cooler to me because helped them and then fucked them over. You know what I'm saying? Okay, finally an adult that helps. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, that makes me like it even more. I mean, I guess, but he is superfluous. <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. No, but it, it's just kind of neat that it's there. Yeah, because I mean, he's just like the drunk old man who hangs out at the docks, mm-hmm. like lives in a shed at the docks. Well, also showing what a shiftless family they are, which shows how all you know how really, really great these kids are. Right. So, you know, hey, I'm I'm down. Yeah, because yeah, uh, all the kids are making fun of them because they had just hung their dad. Hang, hang, hung. Your dad's <laughs> a fucking bank robber. And the lady walks out of the store. So where's what happened to all that money your dad stole? <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that kind of clocks with a small town. Uh-huh. Like, fuck you. Uh-huh. You and your whole family. And yeah, again, speaking to Willa's character too, right at the beginning, fucking John's dad is just like, yeah, I'm going to tell you where this money is. Don't tell your mom. Yeah. She's going to fuck it up. Just don't tell her. Just you and your sister know where it is. And both of you swear you'll never tell anyone. You'll figure out what to do with it. And I thought it was heavy. Swear on your life, son, that <laughs> you'll protect your money and everything with your life. And you'll kill anybody who messes with whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great message to send to your kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I did howl with laughter, though, when uh, Robert Mitchum, like, was hanging over his bunk with the guy in prison. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get the thing out of him, and the guy just wakes up and decks him off of the top bunk. Clocks the fuck out of him, too. I laughed so goddamn hard. Well, that added to, to me, that added to the realism, because you, you fucking with somebody in your cell. <laughs> Somebody's going to answer that. Mm-hmm. immediately and it's not going to be the answer you probably want no 
Oh. No, you're going to get clocked in the face by a Robert Mitchum, look, or not Robert Mitchum, no. Peter Graves looking motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because... Because he looks like grown-up Hitler youth in this movie. <laughs> well, you know what I liked about it, too? Um, this this speaks to uh, Robert Mitchum's, Mitchum's acting. Up until then, fucking scary as shit. Everything he does is fucking drilled with menace. After he gets clocked by Graves, right? Bet. You can see, like, this, this scared, like, fuck, dude. Oh, I, I'm sorry, didn't mean to bother you there, Sally. Oops, you know, he had that kind of look on his face, and you, I saw the turn. And that, that's some beautiful acting right there. You know, I said, wow. He didn't need to do that. Fucking did. And it was <laughs> nice. Sure, man. I guess. I uh, I just find it his performance generally unappealing. Well, see, he, he needed to be a presence. He didn't necessarily need to serve a whole lot of other function than to be that, that dread. So every time you see him, he's lit differently. He is standing apart. He is speaking differently. And and I think him as a presence, just like, you know how we talked about Christopher Lee as a presence. Yeah. Mitchum is a presence. Yeah. So he is it, that. I'll give him that. His, his acting almost is secondary to the force that he shows on screen. It's show, not tell. Yes, he's speaking. Yes, he's doing a lot of things. But he never, when he's on screen... Except for that one small instance where he was afraid of Peter Graves, always has that presence of menace. Just wherever he is on screen, his voice, the song, just the way he's lit, he's always that scary, dreadful presence, 100%. And I think he nails that. I one uh, character detail about him that I also really, really fucking enjoyed was I guess it was during the uh, boat scene. There was just a shot of him standing around a campfire with a bunch of dudes and nobody else is talking, just him. And he's preaching about how children should mind their elders. Mm-hmm. Like he still hasn't like can't get over that. It's all he's been dwelling. But on. also, if you think about it, when he's speaking it is now he's out with the hobos, right? Yes. Who knows everything about everything in every town? The hobos, because they got to, or else they're going to get fucking beaten to death with a wrench, you know? Yep. <laughs> they got to know all that shit. They know the widow women. They know the kids. So he's fishing for info. He's talking about these recalcitrant kids. So in case one of the hobos talked to me, I'm like, oh, fucking. He's, he's fishing for that info. He's trying anything, anything he can do to find those kids. And he's just, and we've, I, I know people like that where you just don't want to get around them because they're scary preachers. Like, I'm, hey, you're down for your religion, fine, but you're scary. And I know those people, and nobody wants to deal with them. They're all, do you notice how they were all just kind of shying away as soon as he talked? Nobody make eye contact with it? That was some fucking acting right there. So The one time I will say that I really did enjoy uh, a scene with him, and like really enjoyed, was when he showed up to collect the children in the scene between he and Lily and Gish mm-hmm. before she even gets the shotgun when they're just standing on the porch and she kind of like riddles her way into uh, catching his lies mm-hmm. because she's just asking him very specific questions and he doesn't have answers to them. Just a total bullshit con artist. Well, And, and did you see the moment that she had? Because... They're talking, but halfway through a sentence, right? Halfway through a sentence is when all of a sudden you can, you could, you could actually see the moment that she chose to show fuck and it didn't change her features much, but you could see the actual surprise on the face before she voiced it. 
Well, and that's the quality. That's the quality acting they put in here. Didn't need to be there. And she looked over at John, and John was giving her like a like, weird smirk. Yeah, like, and that kind of tipped her off to like, oh, this guy's full of shit. So mm-hmm. that's when she starts asking very specific questions. Uh-huh. And he gets caught up in his lies because he didn't prepare whatsoever because he's a traveling preacher. He's very good at bullshit. And it has not one time during this whole fucking movie except for Uncle. Did anyone call him on any of his bullshit? Because he spoke it so well. And we talk about Mitchum acting. The first time he does the love-hate speech, that first time, I've heard, I've heard Snake Oil Salesman, you know, throw a spiel. And he said that like he'd said that 10 billion times. And he just had that greasy Southern, even though he's not Southern, he had that greasy, you know, that, ugh, he fucking pegged it, man. You see, I really hated that part. The good the right hand versus the left hand. Good versus evil. Yeah, but that is some serious street preacher shit right there. Oh, it, it, again, it wasn't like the dialogue that right. he was saying. It was his delivery. I, I didn't care. Oh, he it. had a good cadence. He had that carnival barker kind of movement. Fucking, he pegged it. And I think uh, if we're just talking about like older films in general, that may be one of the reasons that I think I've just am now figuring out that I kind of might not like them. A lot of those classic actors are very uh, verbose, mm-hmm. and nobody speaks like that. And it's it that might be because again they're classically trained right. theater. It's theater delivery where right. you need that. And well, it they're works, speaking in italics. Yes, it <laughs> works well on a stage. However, when translated into film, and I think that might be one of my biggest problems with watching some of the more classic films. And, and I think that that is maybe why we watch two separate films because I have seen a shit ton of live theater, a fucking shit ton. And I've seen teleplays, all that shit. I fucking eat it up. So, it's easier for me. I know a little bit more of the shorthand, visual shorthand, because we have it now in movies that we see. This washed out color means wasteland. This means this. The blue means this. The red means that. And the way people act means things. We don't even think about it because it's just the zeitgeist. It's what we... I have a small amount of knowledge of that type of filmmaking and, and what they're trying to say with how they're presenting it. And I catch the aspect that you didn't catch. You're lost because, well, you know, that's not your bag. But I grew up with that, so I get it. And I think that's why we have different movies. And with that, you know, just being very verbose, that it drags me out of it mm-hmm. a lot. And that's why I think, like, when we did, like, White Zombie, there, I mean, obviously, they're doing, like, Shakespearean acting and mm-hmm. that. Which make which tricks my brain into thinking that it's something different, but when it's just a very verbose man delivering lines in a very specific way, that fucking just pulls me right out of it. But that's Shakespeare, only with an English accent. Yeah, I, I don't know why I can separate it, but exactly. And it, yes, I'm doing visuals on a podcast a fucking again. You sure are. But you see, the reason they I were great, James. Thank you. I the reason I appreciate the verbosity is that. I have to narrate myself to walk out the fucking door. The more words, the better. I can pick up more because there's more for me to, like I might miss three words, but if they say 50 words, I'm getting more of the picture. And it works for me. And that's why I like stage plays a lot because they they do have to do a lot more heavy lifting because there's not a realistic everything happening around them, so. 
So, and that might be part of why, like, I I love him, but I don't always believe Christopher Lee mm-hmm. again is because he's very verbose, and it, and I think even to a certain extent, uh, like Tony Curtis when we watched The Manitou, oh, like like that's not a human voice. People don't sound like that. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. Well, with me with my pattern recognition shit. Once the, I see the pattern, okay, that's how they talk. That part turns off for me. It's like I, if I make a mess, I'll notice it for a second. But if I walk past it twice, it no longer exists. And I can fall into that rhythm. And I can fall into that pattern very, very, very easily. And see, yep, it drags me out every single time. Except mm-hmm. for like Lillian Gish has a little bit more of that like classically trained. And like mm-hmm. she's clearly done a little bit more film or, you know, oh, maybe, maybe not. But yeah. I mean... She was there when film started there, homie. Exactly. Like she's, she's just a better actress. Well, in a lot of things. And now think about silent films. Yeah. A lot of it's real cartoony to us now, but a lot of what we see even to this day was invented by people like Lillian Gish, by the people that stood in front of those cameras the first time. Mm -hmm. And so when you see her, you're seeing the history of film in that little piece because she's showing you acting from stage to screen to this to that the other thing she's pulled it all together and the way she carries herself and the movement and the way she looks you know the way she looks they invented that yeah i actually looked at a little bit of uh the guy that played uh uncle birdie uh-huh yeah he is has credits back to like the beginning of like oh yeah this is when like films became a thing he was keystone cop number two it was just insane to look at. Like, oh yeah, he was around for thirty years before this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, on stage before that, and like I said it's it. But watching, like I said, like a white zombie, mm-hmm. like Bella Lugosi didn't have that much of you know. Like right. He was still a little bit more grounded and believable. And even five years later, in uh, Psycho, like Anthony Perkins is far more grounded as a human being. Mm-hmm. Then, then this richly voiced man. <laughs> but then again, we have to take a look at who directed this. Charles fucking Lawton. Right. And the man was chaotic and interesting, to put it that way. So it, it, the, 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 the performances he gets out of people will be more chaotic and quirky and interesting. Um, there's going to be, uh, there's probably going to be a lot more allowance for bigness that type of thing than a hitchcock which you know hey fucking 728th take fucking don't get it right we can stay here yes i've got film fuck you oh boy you see the difference in styles were a lot oh you're going to discover something you do something i'd be willing to bet that charles lawton was a much better dude than hitchcock oh i well i don't know but he married elsa lancaster so fucking a he must have been doing something right i i again Way over my head. You saw, have you saw the have you seen the Bride of Frankenstein or seen pictures? Oh yes, yes. That's yes. Elsa Lancaster. Fantastic. He married her. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Wow. <sighs> Pale got chicks. But I don't know. I really do honestly think that if they took this pretty much exact story mm-hmm. and made it now into Cape Fear. What? Made it into Cape Fear. Yeah. <laughs> No, because Cape Fear is perfect. <laughs> Just the way it is. Cape Fear, Cape Fear is there because of stuff like that. 
I understand, but I mean, the whole story of the maniac preacher trying to kill children mm-hmm. or whatever, if you made that now and put that story with today's sensibilities, I have no doubt that if you, I mean, obviously, if you did it correctly, I would be completely on board for that because right. they would have the allowance to uh, go a little deeper into uh, Harry Powell's character. Well, I think I think I would have liked to have seen the original intention that of would this be movie. Very interesting, yes. because if they left the darkness in there, I I fucking ate that shit up. All those noir movies, The Killer Inside Me, all every you fucking name it, I was down for the count for the noir. And um, this came like how many? kind of early mid-noir, like when it was a thing. But I I really think that this opened up the playbook for a lot of the shit that you like now because of that. I think it, um, it, it paved the way for a lot of things that you appreciate about noir. Because, again, it did a lot of things first. It did a lot of things in a way that other people copied and made better. So I'm seeing it with, you know, I'm seeing it from, again, a whole different perspective, from that stage perspective, from that different types of acting perspective. So, yeah, again, I mean, being able to go a little bit darker because, I mean, Harry Powell, you can make that a fucking dark character. And just the intimations, just the little, because they couldn't spell it out right, they couldn't, but the amount of people he killed and the way he killed them and and everything that so you hear that and then you see fucking Robert Mitchum damn all that rolled right together for me yeah and i mean if you made this with today's sensibilities and cut out some of the more slapsticky and goofy parts of this again i think you have a real solid concept in every way shape and form and i i honestly for once i could say i would love to see somebody remake this and just go fucking ham on it well either that or watch this i i think that you would prefer i think that with just those little edits from the scene like from the river scene and the end scene just a couple of the edits right cut cut the part where like she shoots right cut it not not the cartoony woo daffy duck yeah we're cut to cut to where he sounds like Mo as right. he's running out of the house going whoop 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 whoop. So cut so cut that cartoon out and just cut to him in the barn. We don't know how badly he's been shot. We don't know whether he's been shot with rock salt. You got that added benefit to it. I think that that would be more of a modern cut, more of a modern sensibility. And I think that you would actually like this movie in spite of Robert Mitchum if this was cut a little differently to what you might like. Well, can I tell you one of my other favorite parts, though? Sure. I don't know why. It, it was because mainly because I had been watching GoldenEye the night before. Mm-hmm. But as he uh, is turned away by Mrs. Cooper after trying to get the kids in the daytime. Yeah. And he just yells, yeah, like, you haven't seen the last of Harry Powell. Like, don't give him your real name. What are you, James Bond? The worst spy of all time? Stop giving people your real name. Make up a name, you dick. <laughs> I think it's that what repetitive repetitive name syndrome. Like, oh, what was Tony Curtis's character's name in in a Manitou? Oh, fucking who cares? He had, but every time he was talked about, it wasn't just his first name. He had to say his entire name. <laughs> yeah, Neil Blofeld. 
Yeah, I fucking had to see his entire name the entire movie. <laughs> I don't know why, because, yeah, again, I was watching Goldeneye the night before, because, you know, I love James Bond movies, regardless of how stupid they are. Mm-hmm. Like, every single one of them, I find to be at least an entertaining film. I, I, I can barely watch the Roger Moores. Oh, th- those are some of my favorites. Again, not because they're good movies, but just because, like, man, I can't believe that they got Roger Moore to agree to do this as James Bond. This is fucking ridiculous. Let's back that truck of money up to him one more time, see if we can get him to do it. Uh-huh. Well, I suppose I'm 942 years old, but I suppose I'll yeah, do it. In that last one with walking, he just looks like a blue-eyed mummy, <laughs> and it's the best. <laughs> no, I just laughed so hard as he was just riding away, like, you haven't seen the last of Harry Powell! Like, Make up a name, dude. <laughs> what are you doing? You're a fucking outlaw, renegade, murderer, preacher. Who's, you don't give a fuck. Who, who killed a man for that horse. The least you could do, the least you could do is like... Harry. He doesn't have to make up a name. Do you know why? Because gypsies did it. What? They blamed that fucking horse stuff oh, and yeah, killing yeah, on gypsies. Fair. They sure did. Didn't give a fuck. They didn't have internet. They barely could phone from one town to the other at 1930-whatever. Man, I... say whatever the fuck he wants, because he don't give a fuck. Oh, speaking of just detestable characters, I really hated the couple that owned the ice cream parlor. Oh, God, yeah. I really couldn't stand them. Don't tell this woman to get married. It was, what, it couldn't have been more than a month after her husband was hanged. What makes them the most reprehensible is I can stand at the grocery store and hear these conversations writ large because I know these people Ugh. and I fucking don't like them in real life and then see them portrayed on goddamn screen. That they, I didn't like them because they were so good at what they did. They made me fucking hate them. Yeah, I, I guess those performances in a movie. Those performances are fine, I suppose. I mean, they, they I don't find their performances detestable. Just the characters themselves. Yeah, just Mrs. Icy. Like you are one of the worst human beings I have ever met, er, seen in my life. And and her husband, oi. Well, he does try and like. Hey, I think something's wrong. I think this preacher that nobody knows mm-hmm. and just agreed to marry this widow. Mm-hmm. Think something might be up with him. Yeah. Oh, shut up, Hal. I think I'll just go hit the schnapps. Leave me alone. Yeah, I do love that. <laughs> what? It, it I thought he was going to bring brain. a shot to the preacher. Yeah, exactly. He's just down in booze. Mm-hmm. And his wife, what is it? Like, don't do that. That's the sickness booze or whatever <laughs> she says. We'll just have a wee dram for medicinal purposes there, lass. Because yeah, that was, I love old-timey medicine. Mm-hmm. Man, there's something wrong. We should just give him grain alcohol. I've got a bit of the rheumatism. I'm going to just go have some of the witch hazel. I'll be back. <laughs> I can keep it next to the liver pills. Oh, man. And the ribbon candy. Uh, but still, I, on a very stupid tangent i still think my favorite snake oil salesman from any film that we've watched easily brad dorif in priest fucking i was just thinking that I was he's like, the best hell yeah i'm the fuck out of here bye this shit don't work i'm gone bye man if harry powell had that mentality he'd be unstoppable mm-hmm. he gets hung up on that 10 grand boy i lock the fuck up on that one but the 10 grand was all the money in the goddamn world at that time mm-hmm that's so all right i i do uh, before we wrap this up i do i guess want to get into the ending because i do 
the seven minutes after it's all resolved, I didn't need, but mm. I don't still don't really know what to make of when they grab Harry out of the barn. And then J- John grabs his gut, the same thing he did when his dad was being arrested. Yeah, and because then calls him dad a few at the times. end when he, and then again throws the money and I never wanted it. Yeah, this is too much. It's too much. Yeah, and then so he calls him Papa or Dad at that time too. Yeah, I in my head is because I live by missing social cues and times and everything else because of my fucking alphabet suit. I just I just chalked that up to something I I just missed because I didn't understand the cue. Right, and I guess I understand that it, Harry then is a substitute for you know his past trauma on seeing his father be arrested and yelling at his own father and not actually Harry, but it seems out of character no. because John fucking hated that dude. Right, but and it under also no circumstances do I believe that he would have said the word dad in his direction whatsoever. Yeah, but I I, I also looked at it this way. <clears throat> the the uh, stigma of a widow or the stigma of divorce, the stigma of all those things, he had no family, he the you better call him dad. It was even like that in the 70s, early 70s, you know, fucking there was none of this Robert shit or Joe shit. Right. Your fucking dad, fucking call him dad, or we'll have to put a foot up your ass. You know, so there was a lot of that going on, too. But there was also that whole fucking release. And that made the, the when he touched Lillian Gish's hand, mm-hmm. I think that kind of cemented that in. He needed that parental figure, whether it was good or bad. He needed that. Like, you know, once you... Yeah, because every adult in this film has just absolutely, abjectly failed them. And if we take a look at it from a um, a now sensibilities, taking the switch to get him into the house and smacking him on the ass because he ran away from a hair washing. You know, to me, that's like, fucking hit the kid. He's traumatized. Jesus Christ. But in, in the 50s, and you're thinking about the 30s, so 50s writing about the 30s. Yeah. A good, stern parent giving that child good guidance from the bad guidance to me. I'm like, you fucking stop. What are you doing? He's just, no. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, it, I think it really all pulled it together. Could have really also done without that 15-year-old girl trying to fuck Robert Mitchum. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that, I think, is a misstep through uh, the 2023 lens. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable subplot that you could uh, really take right out of there. But shows the reprehensibility. Well, he wasn't trying to fuck her. He wasn't trying to fuck nobody. No, but still just having this teenage girl lust after uh, Robert Mitchum. Like, "Mm, don't need that. Mm -hmm. Don't need that at all. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. But yeah, again, an, an arc that would fly because it had a different tone it was still fucked up Mm -hmm. but it had a completely different tone and feel at the time you had to be at least 14 before people went what (laughs) yeah i guess you know what i'm saying it was probably the same until about the 70s yeah so (laughs) yeah again is it right no no sure isn't but was it part of the shorthand of filmmaking at the time Yes. Plus, I mean, also, if we are looking at uh, the social... Where was this supposedly taking place? Ohio. Was it? Yeah, the was Ohio. Ohio. But the, I will tell you, have you ever been out in the rivers of Ohio in those little mountain towns? Ding, 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 ding. Fair. Oh, yeah. So, 
That's why that's why the um not having a southern accent with a southern style preacher worked. We're we're talking about the entire Pennsylvania Valley, you know, like that whole corridor. Again with accents. I can we can talk about this if you'd like. No, I'm just saying that I guess <laughs> if if we really want to break it down the the social strata of Ohio in the 1930s depression era. Appalachia almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh and this woman who's just raising wayward children, nobody would think bad an eye if one of those 15-year-old girls went with an older man somewhere. Now, one that, of us that mouth prob- yeah, that probably wouldn't raise a whole lot of bells. It would right. be, oh, well, she's finally out of Miss Cooper's care. Mm-hmm. Got a good provider. Stupid thing, but uh, I just happened to look at the credits mm-hmm. and saw this. The kid that's trying to hit on Ruby, mm-hmm. you notice that that's just John's older brother? They look exactly the same. Fuck, yes, they do. Oh, Jesus Christ, I didn't even notice that. And a real funny, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too long ago, I watched uh, Alex Garland's new- newest, I guess, film, Men. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, where they CGI one dude's face on like a bunch of different guys in this town. And he has different haircuts and different facial hair. So they all look slightly different, but it's all very much still him. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where they do it onto a like a child and they put this grown man's face on a child. And that's what that kid looks like. I was just like, Jesus Christ. I know it's not CGI. That's a real kid's face. That poor fucking kid. Oh, geez. Just an enormous face on that boy. Easier to film. I, I guess so, yeah. That's why people in TV have giant heads. Uh, so, James? Yes. Would you recommend The Night of the Hunter? Yeah, I would. How mm. about you, buddy? Uh, maybe. Hmm. I mean, if somebody asked me for, hey, what's a horror film from the 50s that you've seen recently, mm-hmm. I would say, oh, Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Well, you, you mention it by name. Yeah. I, it, this is going to go in one of those. I'm going to forget every single thing about this mm-hmm. in four hours time. Well, here's the deal. This is, this is an odd podcast in that usually when we argue, I didn't like it. You liked it. Uh-huh. And, but my, my arguments were like, it was good. It didn't <laughs> suck. I actually had reasons why I thought this was good. And you actually had some really good Valid reasons that uh, it, it it rocked and it was very metal in this spot, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it was an actual a nice back and forth yeah, well, for a change. Well, what else are you gonna say about the new Evil Dead except for like, yeah, it's fucking metal. <laughs> metal <laughs> is metal as shit. <laughs> Almost as metal as Priest, not quite. Oh, dude, it was way more metal than Priest. Are you out of your fucking mind? Oh, we're talking about there was Blood Rain, James. You asswad. There was. Our girl on top of that fucking train driving a nuke into a city. Cool. Did it rain blood? After that fucking train hit, I bet you <laughs> rained no, the all fuck that, out of all, some blood. No, all that blood evaporated <laughs> I know. into the air. Which was infinitely more metal, if you ask me. <laughs> Priest rules. It fucking rules. Carl Urban's the best. Priest rules. Anyway. Both times. Yeah, I, I, I would super duper pass on ever watching this again. I, I'm going to watch it again because I enjoyed the shit out of it. But, well, huh. well, well, we got nowhere. Good, <laughs> good to know. Good to know that we've wasted both our and everyone listening's time. Well, no, for once we actually had some cogent arguments for both sides, goddammit. And it I enjoyed dumb. the shit. It was dumb. It wasn't dumb. It was dumb. You're 
dong. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, quite a bit, actually. I'm stupid. Anyway, hey, James. Yes. Hey, where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Facebook because we got a nice little page. They can find us on all the podcatchers. Also, uh, give us the stars. Uh, yeah, uh, go on Apple Podcasts or on the top of your Spotify app. Just click them stars. And if you give us a five-word review, that would be preferable. Hit them algorithms. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Just, I guess don't use any curse words because it won't show up. Nah. But you can say whatever you want. You can call us dickheads as long as there's five stars. Gets more eyes. I mean, you'd have to be a little bit more elaborate. You can't, obviously, as we just went over, you can't call us dickheads. Well, you can. It's allowed. It's been done. I mean, until we take over the Reichstag, and then no one will criticize what we... Um, anyway. No one... <coughs> all, all messages directed towards Chris we, at podcast at gmail.com. We are not starting a fascist takeover, per se. But it, no. will, but it will be a military coup. You see, I, it's, it's not so much I, I have complete against what you say. I just don't like the name. Yeah, I know. I, I, I did that on purpose. Cause <laughs> Fuck the, yourself, Chris. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, 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 also, uh, coming up, uh, release Diablo 4. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me to watch us stream uh, Diablo 4 at horror underscore vomit underscore Chris on Twitch. And tentative date for my cool zine for yeah. this podcast, the Vomitorium, the official propaganda organ of... Horror Vomit Podcast should be on shelves. No, the you're 14th. doing it too. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're, oh boy. We are plugging a fuck out of stuff. I, I, well, I was more or less concerned about the fact that we have a propaganda arm now. We always did. We just didn't call it that. It's uh, a propaganda organ, sir. Whatever. Get your nomenclature correct. No. If we're, if we're going to, yeah, no, know. fuck you. <laughs> I paid for this garage. I'll say whatever I goddamn well want in here. Ah, yes. All right. Well, now I've just begun yelling. Should we? Should we uh, call it? Yes. Should we be done. Do the thing. Hit before the I start screaming into the goddamn mic. Mike.